Welcome back to Out Loud, the Selective Mutism podcast. I'm Chelsea. And I'm Anne, Chelsea's mom. And we're coming back with um, an episode about reading out loud today. We're focusing on goals that you can be working on while remote learning and staying home. I know there's been a lot of downtime for kids, so it's still a chance. There's still time to work on goals, even though they're not in school. There's other ways. Actually, I think it's kind of a great opportunity because you have, I'd want to say all this free time, but you have some unstructured time that you could kind of use to practice at home, just different skills. Right. And I think it's also a time where you could easily slip back because you are avoiding social contact because that's what you're supposed to be doing. But that doesn't leave much room for growth. And there's ways around seeing people in person and you can still work towards goals. Right. I have been posting goals every week on our Instagram if you want to go look at that. So our Instagram is outloudsmpodcast. And I've posted different goals like role play and making phone calls and different remote learning goals. But today we're going to focus on reading out loud as a goal. I know. Have you heard back from anyone? I'd really like to know if anybody um, has responded or done any role playing at home. It's difficult because Chelsea and I are actually uh, distancing. <laughs> I guess. So we're actually recording today remotely. Yeah. So it's kind of weird. I don't think we've, we haven't actually done that before. Right. So we'll see how this goes. Hopefully it goes well. Before we get started, I wanted to read our most recent five-star review. Um, So I wanted to say thank you for everyone who leaves us reviews. It's really helpful. Mm -hmm. So the most recent one says, Such great information for families. I shared information about this podcast with families in our Selective Mutism Parent Support Group. You both share a wonderful and healthy perspective. Thanks for incorporating skilled experts such as Stephen Kurtz into the podcast as well. This is an excellent resource. Good. I'm glad people found that helpful. Dr. Kurtz was uh, amazing coming on. Right. We had so much information. We broke it up into two episodes, and um, that was Mm -hmm. great. We're so lucky that he came on. Somebody else left... So the other review is for episode nine. It says, as a grandparent of a four-year-old with selective mutism, I found this episode particularly informative. Many thanks for all your podcasts. And what was episode nine? Exposure. Exposure, oh. exposure. <laughs> I know. It would be nice to know, like, I just, I don't know, maybe I'm nosy. I just like to know what people actually implemented from the podcast, if they did anything. Yeah. And just how did it go? You know, did it work out well? Or One okay. person on Instagram told me about her daughter who's in fourth grade. She said they worked up to getting her to show her cat on a video. They're Like the teacher asked them to post awesome. updates on what they're doing. And the girl worked up the courage to hold up her cat on the video and wave. That's uh, cute. And she uploaded it. And that was, I think we mentioned in one of the episodes, your cat was kind of a good um, tool for you to kind of converse with people either verbally or non-verbally. Yeah, I can imagine remote learning to be really challenging. I actually put a poll on our Instagram because I wanted to know if people are finding it harder or easier. Mm. Most people said harder, but quite a few people said it's easier. And I was curious about that because I feel like I have trouble communicating through technology like I would rather communicate face to face you would because I think of it the other way I think you prefer to text and email rather than picking it's up the weird phone and calling I guess yeah, it's not but when it's a phone call when it's your voice when it's a phone call or a video 
I'd rather do it in person, I think. Mm. But if it's a presentation, it's easier because you can kind of, you're not standing in front of people. Okay. It's so particular. It's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, So I was curious about that. So Um, would you say it was 50-50 then? Yeah, it was more, more people said it was harder. Mm. I think people, kids are having trouble seeing themselves on camera and seeing the whole class all at once because you can see everybody's face at the same time. Um, So I posted tips about how you can kind of change things around, make it easier. Actually, you did that when you did your master's. You could see the class up on the screen. I I did my whole master's program online. And whenever I presented, I just pulled up my PowerPoint to cover the whole screen so I couldn't even see the audience. And I would just go through my PowerPoint as if I was doing it by myself. Hmm. Yeah, I found that easier. Good tip. (laughs) <laughs> you gotta be good at technology though as a mom I don't know if I'd know how to do that but anyway yeah hopefully the moms up there are better than me and the dads okay so today uh we were going to talk about reading out loud reading in particular reading out loud which right. can be hard you often have to do this at school right so it's and good I think, to practice at home yeah and I don't know I think reading out loud is probably hard for everybody but for a child with selective mutism it's like gut-wrenching I remember we talked about this, and you didn't know what it was, where they play popcorn in schools. Yeah, I had never heard of that. Yeah, it's like people with selective mutism's worst nightmare, because the teacher picks someone in the class, or someone volunteers to start reading, so they'll read one paragraph, and then they can pick anyone in the classroom to read the next passage. So they'll, at any point, they can just, like, stop reading and say, Chelsea, and then I have to start reading where they left off. Yeah, that's tough. Of course, they. I feel like kids always pick the quiet kids to do it because they want to see them do it. Mm-hmm. So did you ever participate in that? Were you able to do yeah, it? Yeah, I think I had, had done it before, but I used to get really upset. Like, I felt like I was being attacked by the person who picked me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Like a personal attack. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So with you, I don't know, we actually started really early. Like, you... I don't know, you were a good participant, I guess, for reading at home. We actually started with flashcards at home, just learning like ABCs mm-hmm. when you were little. And then I actually bought index cards and just made up little three-word three, three word flashcards like that rhymed. And I put mm-hmm. them in groups like bad cat, mat, sat, and put them in the groups. And then you actually drew little pictures on the index cards. Um, so you were familiar with them and you participated in, you know, the process. And mm-hmm. that's how we started. Yeah, I didn't even know that. I don't remember that. Hmm. We had those cards for years and years. I think I just threw them out not too long ago. It's like sight words. A lot of people do sight words with mm-hmm. little kids. But I think it's important to start early because the earlier, like as a toddler or whatever, the better. Because without them knowing it, it's just verbalizing. Yeah. You know, you actually are reading out loud just by doing ABCs and sight words. Mm-hmm. And it's a good place to start if, like, mm-hmm. say, a kid is not able, you're not going to start with a full sentence, like, read this full sentence. You can start smaller and right. work way up. So we actually went from doing the index cards with the rhyming words to then I had this little set of books that um, were made up of rhyming words. It was like Matt sat mm-hmm. on the mat. And so we would do those every night at bedtime, um, just kind of as a little reward to keep the lights on longer and, you know, not go to sleep right away. 
So that was a good way just to get you to read out loud. Did you find it was hard at first to get me so to So we actually read? started because you didn't want to read out loud. Yeah. You, I don't know if you didn't like your voice or why. Why do you I think it's like, difficult I, for um, because I, people you, to read out loud with SM? I think a lot of kids, I hear a lot, and I know from my experience that I don't like, or I used to not like hearing my own voice. Yeah, so I would read, and then I would leave the last word of the sentence off. That's one of the techniques I have, too. Okay, so I would, yeah, I would just, sometimes I'd, like, kind of fib and say, oh, my voice is getting sore, like, can you read the last word? Or, you know, I would just, because I would use my finger to point as we went (laughs) along to each word, and so you you know, you got to know the sentences and know the book. So when I got to the last word, you already knew the word and I knew you mm-hmm. knew the word. It was just kind of getting you to say it. And it would be a rhyme. So it's not like it was a difficult thing. And then I would just sort of increase that more and more. Like we kind of progressed from there to reading. I would read a sentence and then you would read a sentence. Yeah. And I liked reading. Yeah. You loved to get, well, you were always a good writer and I don't know. I mean, reading came first, but um, yeah, you love books and reading, and it's a good escape, I think, too, for kids with selective mutism. Yeah, it kind of helps you express yourself better, I think. Like, they always say the better reader you are, the better writer you are, and I always found that I could express myself better through writing than talking mm-hmm. because there's mm-hmm. less urgency. You can kind of plan what you want to say more. And I think it builds uh, confidence and self-esteem, too. Even little kids, because you're accomplishing something, you're getting mm-hmm. good at something. So I think it's just all around great. And also just getting used to the sound of your voice. I right. Think, because exposure is what mm-hmm. you need to get through that. And I don't even think about my voice anymore. <laughs> it used to be, like, all I can think about when I talked. So I definitely think it's good to practice. I think it's good even for teenagers, like obviously you already know how to read, but I think just to read out loud, even if it's to yourself, like close your bedroom door, go in and just read out loud to yourself just to get into the habit of doing it and hearing your voice. It's just practice. Mm -hmm. So what we talked about before a bit where you said you started the sentence and left the last word to me, that's kind of what we would call shaping in ABA, Applied Behavior Analysis. So I do that too with my clients where who are starting to learn how to read and we're just trying to get them to vocalize more. And that's a great way to kind of um, prompt vocalization just to leave off the last word. And especially if it's a word that you know they already know, like you said, and mm-hmm. they're likely to be able to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's different ways you can do that. Like you can build momentum by giving them like a sentence and letting them read the last word, like we said, and you can kind of add on words as they're successful. Right. And I would say give them at least five seconds to respond like that golden mm-hmm. rule. And like, don't, thing that, oh, sorry, go ahead. I would just say don't like rush in to rescue them like, you know, is common in selective mutism. Right. Another thing we did is, and you know, I didn't really do it on purpose, but because we were lying down in the bed beside each other. So I wasn't mm-hmm. staring at you, waiting for you to say your word. Right. You know, I wasn't looking I, at you. I think that's something people don't realize that has an effect on it because body positioning definitely has an effect on selective mutism, I would say. Like if someone is directly facing you, it's a lot more pressure than someone sitting next to you or turned away right. from you. 
Right. I think we just naturally, like, we don't really think about that. But you'd be surprised. Some of these studies that I was reading, like, it's the slightest turn of your body can affect how likely the child is to respond, which is Mm -hmm. pretty amazing. So you should be mindful of your position. Yeah. And I could tell, like, even though you were doing it and we were taking turns, like, it was stressful for you. So sometimes I might have to encourage you to say it or I'd have to convince you, like, oh, no, mommy's throat is sore because I've been reading so much or um, to get you to say it. But eventually you would usually tell me um, that you were done. (laughs) So I never made it. I think it's important to always finish, like, on a good note to never make it seem like, yep, you know, they failed at the end. So, you know, to like finish when they are doing well or, you know, right. just to make it a positive ending. So it's and you a know, good experience. Yeah. You know your kid well, so you can kind of see when they're getting all done with it. So it, it's good mm-hmm. to cut it off before it's like really done. Right. Good point. But I mean, mm-hmm. I also included because you can shape in the number of people. You can fade more people in. Mm-hmm. And out. So some kids might not even be ready to read in front of anyone. So they might have to read by themselves or to like an animal, which is kind of funny. But I think I've definitely read to my cat. Yep. When I was I little. Think we used to tell you to go do that. Yeah. If you couldn't yeah. do it like in the dining room or something, if we were practicing homework, then I'd say, yeah. well, just go to your room and read to Karina. And you'd be surprised how hard it is to read out loud alone in a room by yourself. Hmm. Like, I found that hard, and that's an exposure in itself. Like, that might be Mm -hmm. your first step before reading in front of someone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And whispering's okay. Like, it's okay to go up and just, even if you're whispering it to yourself. Yeah. Start start with that. And I would say if a child is reading to you and they're whispering, I wouldn't even comment on it. I would, like, they're making progress and drawing attention to it can set them back. Mm -hmm. So I would say as their confidence builds, they should naturally increase the volume I think it's okay to just accept that for now I think you're always saying like start what do you say start with where they're at yeah meet them where they're at okay yeah so I think once comfortable like reading by themselves or they might already be past that point you'd kind of want to pick someone they're comfortable with to read with or have them pick who they want to read with Mm -hmm. like with you with me it was you like, I would read with you. Right. And then you could fade people in gradually. So right. I actually kind of, oh, sorry. I was just no, going to say, ahead. I actually remember, like, being in your bedroom sometimes. And if dad would come in to say, like, good night, like, it was obvious, like, that he, you you would just stop, like, what we were doing, like, as though we were doing yeah. something sneaky or <laughs> It's like, what do you want? Kind of a thing. Yeah. So he'd have to, like, hurry up, say his good night and leave before we could continue. Mm -hmm. I found this in a study. It's like steps for how to fade someone in. And I don't think I was just going to give like a short um, description of it because it's crazy how much you can break it down, which it's probably not necessary for every child, but some kids might be so tough that they need to very very gradually fade someone in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so go ahead. What's um it what's the starts first one? with um like someone being visible at the doorway or like within earshot. So like dad might be like in the doorway or like down the hall, turned away from me. And right. then gradually <laughs> they would turn until they're facing 
And then it ends up getting closer and closer to the doorway. And then eventually they're in the room. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of times if you wouldn't um, do things, I knew something was up, but I didn't, I couldn't identify what the issue was because yeah. it was such a tiny variable. Right. Like, you know, I wouldn't realize it, but you know, I could tell you were uncomfortable and you weren't doing it because you were uncomfortable mm-hmm. because there was some, right. And a lot of times it would be that the door was open. Maybe somebody else could hear you in the house or something, mm-hmm. you know, so slight is that. It's just, yeah. it seems crazy to us, but to us, you know, I think as kids, you guys are so in tune to every little tweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you kind of, it's kind of a trial and error. Like you might have to play around with it, you're not going to do it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, and each kid is different. So you might be able to move faster with some kids. Uh, mm-hmm. Say, don't get discouraged. But if they stop responding and they were doing well before, you might want to just take a step back. Mm-hmm. And what do you think? Like with reading, I never like ver- I never verbally identified to what we were trying to do. I just, you know, let's go up and read before bedtime kind of a thing. Do you think it's like... Yeah. Um, like that was never on your sticker chart or anything for us, not mm-hmm. in the beginning anyway. Um, but do you think it's good to just kind of the parent just take it themselves and do it? Or do you think it's good to like identify it, put it on the chart and like they know what you're trying to accomplish? Or is that more pressure? Yeah. I think it might be more pressure. Like if you're successful without having to like identify the goal, it might be better. Well, that's a good I idea. Think- so try it first and then if yeah. it doesn't. Go I think well, with, they offer incentives. I think a big part of it is kids should be. I think they should be involved in their goal setting. So if it's something that they want to be better at, then that's something you could work on with mm-hmm. stickers. I think with little kids it's easier, but I think with um, mm-hmm. as kids get older, I don't know. It's hard. Kids get tough. Like they don't want to say that they want to get better at something. They just right. say, "I'm okay." Like you know, I don't care. I'm, you know, yeah, but I think if you approach it from like, oh, this is going to happen to me at school, like this is going to keep coming up. So I want to be prepared for it. Then Mm -hmm. it's kind of more of a preparation than, oh, I just want to be better at this. It's like practicing to make yourself feel better when you're in the moment. Right. And that's why I think it's so important to start like as toddlers or when they're young, because I think by the time (laughs) you get to middle school, reading out loud is such a big part of the day at school is yeah. just expected um, so if you can master this early like at home and then like you said fade people in mm-hmm. um, you know just to try to prepare ahead for this yeah so anyone just starting on their SM journey I mean <laughs> please you know I just hope they like yeah take this to heart and actually set up a schedule do it a couple of times a week mm-hmm. um, and you know don't pick get really discouraged like it might be slow progress right you're actually the best, um, one of the great gifts that your first grade teacher, another one she gave to was she started reading Harry Potter when it first came out, and that was grade one. And at the time, I kind of thought that was like way above your reading level, but she would read to the class. And that's actually what got you, you just loved reading. Mm-hmm. So find something that, you know, is really interesting to your child. Right. That that's they want I, to read. Right. They have to be motivated to read it. So you right. got to pick something that's preferred. Right, so if they're into dinosaurs, go with dinosaurs. They're into kitty cats, go with cats. Yeah, and you kind of want buy-in too. So if you take them to the library and have them pick out their own book, they're probably going to be more 
motivated to read it than if you just hand them a book and tell them to read it. Right, that's a good idea. I had um, a little note about remote learning on here since it's relevant right now. And I was going to say you could... um, you can make alterations right now with teachers and do like reading one-on-one with a teacher maybe or with one classmate and then you can kind of fade people in that way too. It's not just like this doesn't have to be on hold until they're back to school. Like you can start if they're ready to read exactly. with their teacher. Yeah, I think this is like the prime opportunity to do all these kind of skills at mm-hmm. home. I mean, if you have the time, a lot of parents are working um, but in a way, it's kind of a great opportunity because there's no none of that other outside stress. Mm-hmm. Like you can kind of, you know, plan your day around your goals. I was going to say, this is kind of a weird tip. I don't know if it would apply to everyone, but I think there's this weird thing with selective mutism where you're either more comfortable with your peers or younger children or adults. Like there's different levels of comfortability so I think some kids might be more comfortable reading to like a younger child like I might be comfortable reading to a kindergartner but not to my peers yes so I think that could also be your first stepping one of your first stepping stones Mm -hmm. if you have like a younger sibling or you know someone with younger kids they can read to them that's a good idea because some people might be, I, I remember you actually telling me one time, um, I, I think I gave you a choice or something between two kids and you picked the younger child, <laughs> even though they weren't your age. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess for you, that was more comfortable, less intimidating. Yeah. Even the books you read, like if you pick something that's lower than your reading level, it takes off a layer of anxiety, that's especially that's if reading idea. is harder. Yeah. If you're not a good reader you're more likely to read out loud if it's something you feel more confident with. Right. And that's kind of why I was getting it. We would practice. We started with just three letter words. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, it was a book, it would be a book that we had repeated and practiced several times. Um, mm-hmm. So that I knew that you knew the words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the reward with us doing it was just that it was alone time, you know, just mom, just you and mom. Um you know, and most kids don't want to shut off the bedroom light. They try to extend that process as long as possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was kind of like the reward of reading uh-huh. in bed was that you actually got to stay up a couple of minutes later. I was just going to say with shaping, there's different if you are going to make this a goal um, and your child's motivated to work towards the goal, then you could focus on like the amount of words that you're reading or the amount of people you're reading to. Or the amount of time you're reading. It's kind of up to you and what fits best. Mm-hmm. But I would always say start smaller and then work your way up. So you might read like one word out loud and that's your goal. Yeah. And then gradually increase. Right. So it depends, I guess, at what age you're starting. But like when yeah. we started, you were a toddler. I think you, you were just two. You might have mm-hmm. been less than two. You know, you were probably about two. And um, that's when we started doing the flashcards. Okay, so I think that's, um, you know, not really a big in-depth conversation, but just to give you another idea of something to start at home. Yeah. A great skill that's going to help you as you get older and go through the school system. I don't know, and it really fostered, you know, a love for reading with you. Yeah. And I think a lot of kids with selective mutism are probably 
um, avid readers because it's it is an escape, and you kind of learn a lot of social skills from mm-hmm. just reading. Yes. So a lot of the interactions that you're missing out on with friends and, um, you know, people your own age, you can kind of gain those skills through reading. Why don't you just talk about your, because I've talked about your like love for reading and, um, you know, what it gave you, because people always kind of want to know, um, you know, how you dealt with SM. And I think it was actually a coping mechanism for you that, um, you know, hey, who doesn't want to be a great reader? So it was a great skill. Mm-hmm. And then you're you're such a good writer now, and I think it's because you developed those skills as a younger person. I think Harry Potter, it all kind of... Yeah, Harry Harry Potter Potter started everything. And I felt a lot of people feel that way about Hogwarts. Like it's, (laughs) I don't know, a magic world that you can escape to. I don't know. I just found like reading that was, it was kind of like our thing to do too. I think it's like a one-on-one time with a parent if you do it with a parent. And it also bonds you with your teacher. Yeah. I've, I had a lot of relationships with teachers who were very, I don't know, they were excited that I was interested in reading. So it made me feel more comfortable with that teacher. That's true. Mm-hmm. And I know a few of your teachers used to send books home with you or recommend good books for you. Yeah. And you kind of shared, right, you're right. That was kind of a bond, I think, all through school with different teachers that you had. Yeah. Um, and you always did well in English. You were always, you know, that was like your favorite subject or whatever. I and do. I mean, reading at school is always hard, though. Like, I did enjoy reading, but when it came to reading in front of people, it was not easy. And I'm trying to think. I kind of remember working with teachers or they knew me well enough that they would kind of pick me for the... Um, or they'd make it more predictable, like what section I would be reading. So ahead of time, I knew what paragraph I'd be reading in the textbook. Or um, they'd kind of give me the shorter one <laughs> so I could get it over with. And do you think it's better in those situations to be the first one or the last one? I think I've learned that it's better to be first to get it over with, but I never wanted to be first ever. Right. But now I kind of understand that more because. I used to torture myself like in school and but I think that's part of selective mutism where you can't volunteer yourself like you're so nervous that you you're like raise your hand raise your hand like you just get it over with but you can't do it mm-hmm. even though you want to mm-hmm. I don't know it's torture it's definitely exposure like it's gonna be hard before it gets better you have to put yourself through it mm-hmm. so read at home read at home Right. The more, this is your time to practice. Yeah. Yep. Out loud. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, do you think it's, um, I don't know, but you, just you saying that about Harry Potter makes me wonder, do you think like the genre of fantasy is also, I don't know, a preferred, you know, because it is make-believe, because it's, it kind of helps you kind of get lost in Yeah. The- I don't know. I def- I've always liked fiction. Mm. opposed to nonfiction. yeah that's interesting like harry potter kind of takes it's a different realm realm Mm -hmm. Um, so it is really truly an escape because it's not dealing with issues like in real life issues it kind of takes you totally away and you're Mm -hmm. on a level playing field with everybody yeah and i think harry potter is like it models friendship pretty well so you're kind of seeing relationships and how they work 
It's true. The whole thing with like Ron, Hermione, and and yeah. Karen, and the great relationship that they had. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, I've gotten off course here. <laughs> yeah. We could talk about Harry Potter all day. I would say, oh, I think some people are having a lot of anxiety right now with social distancing. I also think maybe kids with selective mutism might see this as an escape because they're not having to go to school. Not but, being put in those tough situations. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think like parents need to flip that and just really use this time for practice, like practice, yeah. practice, just make believe going to the store, practicing, rehearsing. What do you say? What, what, you know, what are the responses that you could have prepared to say yeah. to people when they ask you things? This like is a great time play. to role play. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think we used to have do the kid. Yeah. Practice, like switch roles, have the kid teach the class, like, I don't know. Switch it around. Switch it up. Yeah. I remember the time. Well, we we've talked about it before, but when we played school that one time, and I went in, the, I went and dressed up, and um, yeah. Chelsea got a kick out of it. She thought it was the greatest thing. Michael, her younger brother, was literally afraid of me. He didn't well, he know was, who I was. He was really young. Yeah, he was yeah. crying. He's like, "Where's my mom?" Yeah, he wanted me to go get that outfit off. Yeah. It was so funny, but we did it to kind of, to, you could practice and do all the things in school that you don't usually have the opportunity to do. But that's yeah. kind of one of the funny memories we have of Chelsea's um, childhood. <laughs> yeah, I've, actually, I've seen some people on Facebook saying like, wow, my, like, my kid at school, like homeschooling them, they're like so annoying, like they won't stop talking. It's like, that's <laughs> what they would be like at school if they were comfortable. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I would say this keeps coming up in a like the autism world that I know it's definitely relevant to selective mutism. Um, but schedules are still important. And especially right now, not knowing what is going to happen that day is going to create a lot of anxiety. So I would say definitely make a schedule if you haven't already. And mm-hmm. just keep reviewing like when school is coming back. If we don't know, then... I don't know. You just have to have open communication. Mm-hmm. And, and you can have a routine at home, you know, even though it's a different yeah. routine, you can still maintain, you know, just the the sequence of your day. Yeah. I mean, kids like structure. Kids like routine. Yeah. Especially SM kids that like to know what's coming, what to expect, yeah. what's going to happen. And also allow choices. Like people right now feel like everyone right now feels like they want more control over their day and I would definitely like with a you like schedules but they also have to be flexible you have to say oh do you want to do a puzzle or watch a movie do you Mm want to do math or do you want to read a book like it's better to have some control over your activities right I think a lot of times when you're having resistance from your kids or whatever it's because you're telling them what to do so if you give them a choice between two things you know, then it's them choosing so they feel some control over the situation. Yeah. So that's actually a good tip in these these times. Mm-hmm. Um, right, because people, a lot of people feel lost. And I think the kids, you know, that all trickles down. The kids feel it too. So hopefully a social distancing, doing the recording <laughs> has worked out. Hopefully it's, the sound is good. Yeah. And, um, I'm not sure. We'll probably, I don't know if we'll be together for the next one or not. 
but hopefully things will be back to normal and everyone's healthy by the time we do the next one. Mm-hmm. And if not, <laughs> we'll work it out. So the goal for next time, or we're assigning everyone a daily reading out loud. Yeah. And if you do it, please let us know on Instagram or Facebook. We love to hear it. And I know. I feel talking. like we're always talking about ourselves, but I like to hear like other people. Like, well, yeah. I, want, I want to hear it back. Like, so, you know, what happened with them? Yeah. So thanks for listening. Hopefully we'll have another episode out in two weeks. I think it took us a long time, or I feel like it's been a long time since we've done an episode. It's the first one of the month that we've done. Thank you for joining us, (laughs) and we'll see you next time on Out Loud, the Selective Mutism podcast. Stay healthy and wash those hands.